Do you want to stay more focused on the right goals in your life or even just figure out what the right goals are for you? Do you want clarity? Do you want better work-life balance? Well, you're in the right place. Welcome to Success Through Failure. Welcome to the Success Through Failure podcast, the show that reveals failure as your path to success. You'll listen to intriguing interviews with some of the most successful people on the planet and learn how their failures became a launchpad for success and how yours can too. Here's your host, former Division I All-American wrestler, former Division I head coach, speaker, and personal coach, Jim Harshaw. Welcome to another episode of Success Through Failure. Today, I bring you Andre Kylik. Do you get motivation, clarity, or inspiration from the Success Through Failure podcast? Then don't be so selfish. Share the motivation with your friends. Go to jimharshajr.com slash share, and there you'll find a simple page with just three buttons. One to share the podcast on Twitter, one for Facebook, and one for LinkedIn. Click any of the buttons, and you'll have the option to either share the pre-written tweet or message or rewrite your own. That's it. Super simple. It'll just take a few seconds Unless you're selfish and you want to keep all of this awesome inspiration to yourself, go ahead and let your friends in on the secret. They'll thank you. And if nothing else, you'll have something cool to talk about the next time you get together. Just go to jimharshawjr.com slash share. In 2003, Andre was a charismatic 23-year-old student attending his father's alma mater in the city of Prague. One night, partying with friends into the early hours, he wound up on the tracks in front of an oncoming subway train. His devastating injuries required that both legs be amputated above the knees, and after three weeks in a medically induced coma, he awoke to an insanely altered reality. He's since become an ultra-endurance pioneer, a world champion paratriathlete, and an Ironman world champion, and the only wheelchair athlete to finish an ultra triathlon. As a matter of fact, he's finished four. He finished the race across America, hand cycling 3,100 miles in just 12 days, sleeping 90 minutes a night to make it from Oceanside, California to Annapolis, Maryland. And during the Brazil 135 ultra marathon, Andre completed 135 miles through the jungle in jungle terrain in 62 hours, sometimes crawling along the forest dragging his wheelchair behind him. And he was not only the first person in a wheelchair to finish these, he was the first even to ever attempt them. He is, without question, an inspiration. Andre, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks so much for having me. Happy to be here. Well, thanks for f- making time for this, man. Um, let's just, let's just kind of zoom out and, and start from there. Tell us a little bit about your background, kind of where you grew up, and kind of the short version of how you got from there to here. Sure. Yeah. Well, so I grew up um, in a in a small sort of a small town feel a, a feeling suburb north of Seattle, and yeah, I mean I had a pretty idyllic uh, childhood. Just you know playing a whole bunch of different sports, playing played violin when I was little, and uh, yeah, I mean I just had a really you know wonderful family. We were you know, all happy. I had, I had some, you know, sort of early, gosh, I don't know, I guess the first time that life sort of hit me, um, uh, when my dad started suffering from effects of pulmonary heart disease. Um, that was something that's in his, um, you know, 
homeland of Slovakia had started with strep throat and it wasn't you know treated correctly and spread to his heart uh, wow. and and it didn't really creep up until he was well into his 30s but you know basically as a as a child i just remember the you know the first time being scared you know truly scared and he went in and had a couple open heart um, surgeries where they replaced uh his you know mitral valve with with mechanical valves and yeah so i mean that you know that that left the mark but it also i think we can probably circle back to that later uh, but he did, you know, just, just, he didn't complain. He always, you know, did the things he could do and, you know, lived a pretty, you know, active life still. He had to cut back on, on some things. We weren't snow skiing together anymore by that point. But in any case, you know, I, I went to high school and then just kind of started bouncing around from there. I definitely got into partying and, you know, just me and my buddies, you know, it was like drinking was just the thing that, that uh, was on our mind all the time, how to go, you know, hang out, have fun. And really, you know, I think I found myself uh, searching for something more. I, I left for Czech Republic to study at Charles University, which is you know, where my, where my father, uh, studied, he studied medicine there in the sixties. And, you know, I think I was, I was really doing what I wanted at that point and sort of taking, you know, my life in, in sort of my hands and, and was loving every minute of it. And it was, it was really just bad habits kind of stuck with me and was partying with friends, you know, had all these European friends, uh, around me. And it was about five months into, to living over there and studying, uh, after a, a, you know, typical, but very late night out, we had breakfast and I headed my way home. Um, and my friend, uh, Riku from Finland headed his way home. And that was, you know, where sort of the story ended for me until three weeks later when I, when I came to in a hospital, uh, I had been run over by a subway train. Nobody knows, you know, precisely how I ended up on the tracks, but, you know, whether I, whether I fell asleep or, you know, stumbled off or, or what there were, you know, a few strange circumstances around it, but you know, whatever the case, I put myself in this situation where I wasn't in control and yeah, paid a, paid a heavy, a heavy price for, for that mistake. And yeah, so anyways, I, I survived, you know, thankfully, but, but things were pretty, pretty severe. And when I woke up, you know, it was one thing to come to and realize what was going on and that I had lost my legs, but it was, you know, another to just still, you know, be struggling to live and, and be uncertain about that. It's crazy times. So tell us more about that. Like you wake up and life has dramatically changed. Like, you know, we said in the bio, this insane reality is altered reality for here and, and, and for the rest of your life. What was that like? And how did you deal with that? You know, there, there were many things about how it all happened that I think I was quite fortunate for, but it was, you know, so, so surreal and, and strange. But I woke up with my, you know, entire, you know, family around me. It wasn't a moment of bolt right up in bed and, oh my God, you know, I don't have legs. It was really a, a process of kind of coming to and, you know, being you know, conscious and, and unconscious and having weird dreams and sort of the pieces started coming together. I remember my mom talking to me at some point, my feet felt all gnarled and I was asking her to clip my toenails because they felt like they had grown immensely long. And that's kind of when she wow. hit me with it. Andre, you don't have any feet and you've, you've, you know, had a horrible accident and this is what happened. Uh, so 
you know, right away it was, it was just madness. You know, it was so strange. I was going through these because I had all these fluids in my lungs. I had punctured my lungs. All the ribs on my right side had broke and I'd lacerated my liver. So I had massive infections and I would go into these feverish states. You know, I'd wake up super cold, just shivering. And then as the day progressed, go to 105 fever. And they were really just trying to to cool me and, and, you know, keep me alive. It was, it was on, I was on like five antibiotics. And so it was just this churning kind of chaos of the ICU, you know, for, for two months, it progressively got better. And I, you know, I had friends visit, my family talked me through it. And there was this real, you know, sense of sort of optimism, um, about, you know, what I, what I could kind of go forward and do. I was asking my mom, you know, what, what will I do with my life? And, um, you know, having all of that support around me, you know, kept me from kind of going too dark. And I also was just like trying to deal with like this crazy itchy skin. And then they'd wake me up in the middle of the night to glass bottles and restocking behind me. And then some lady that was in a car accident would come in screaming at 4am with, you know, broken bones all over her body. It was, it was madness. And, uh, wow. that kind of kept me from, I guess, diving too deep into what, what this new reality meant for Andre and, um, what life was going to be like. So it wasn't until I got out of the hospital, you know, that, that, that things, you know, started going a bit dark. And, and can you take us further down that road? So things got darker, uh, after you left the hospital. I mean, cause now obviously we look at your life and, and you're doing incredible things, but tell us about that dark period. You know, I, I think it'd be pretty, uh, impossible to just kind of snap out of something like that be like okay this is my life now right. i make the most of it yeah uh, sure. and and when you're you're in the or when i was in the hospital you know things kind of improved and then you start feeling okay um and that's just a huge relief in itself and then you know i can't improved in terms of like you're gonna you're gonna live and yeah I mean, that sort of thing improved or? in that like you know, they take the feeding tube out, they take the trachea, uh, the uh, yeah. breathing apparatus out of my throat and I can talk now. And then I'm sitting up in bed and I'm eating and I'm like brushing my own teeth. And it's kind of fun because like I'm relearning, you know, how to do everything. There's just these little moments that kind of made you smile. Uh, as I, I transferred to the, to the U S kind of put you on a stretcher on a plane, knock you out for the trek straight to an, you know, another ICU, I was, you know, just barely stable enough to really transport. And then I did three weeks of inpatient rehab, you know, and by the inpatient rehab part, you know, I'm, I've got my, my earphones in and I'm, you know, cruising around the, the hotel or the hotel, the hospital late at night, listening to music. And, you know, it's, it's, you start to, to get in the groove and it's kind of like your new home. And I was excited to get out, but it was when I got out that all of a sudden, you know, I'm back in my parents' house. Uh, everything is difficult. Um, you know, going to the bathroom is difficult. I had this colostomy, you know, at the colostomy bag at the time, um, my injuries were kind of so high up, um, which, which, so I, I've lost one leg. Um, it's called a hip disarticulation. There's no femur. So there's just pelvis. Um, so all the way up at the hip and then the other side is above the knee. So it's really, um, a high level amputation, you know, wow. started, learning about, you know, what that would look like. I figured, okay, they have, they make prosthesis and you just kind of replace your legs and, and you're on your way. 
well, I was getting very pessimistic outlook from, you know, doctors, the prosthetists, neighbors, uh, everybody uh, seemed to, you know, agree that at this level, it wasn't really going to be possible to walk. And so that started to sink in like, okay, my life is, you know, really different. And I, I wanted to, I wanted to walk. I was just worried that, you know, these guys were were right and it just wasn't physically going to be possible. So I was kind of fighting with, with those types of things. You know, I was worried about ever being happy again. And I just kept sinking into these, you know, these fits of, of crying and, and sorrow and anger and just asking, you know, all these, all these questions without, I don't know, without answers, but certainly without anything that I could do about them. So like, why did this have to happen? Why can't I go back? You know, why can't it be different? And I would just dwell on, on that hoping and wishing that, that the, the case wasn't the case and it was tough and it, and it kind of felt comforting at the same time to just cry it out. So it, it, it was kind of, it was holding me back and I couldn't just move forward, you know, even though I was kind of making progress health wise and we started working on prostheses, um, everything just was more challenging than, you know, than, than what I wanted at that point. It's so interesting. And I want to just share with the listeners right now. It's like you read this bio of a guy who has this tragic accident and now he's running these ultra endurance races and doing all these amazing things and he lives happily ever after, right? It's like there's, there's this period in between of struggle and setback and failure and adversity and sorrow and tears and crying and grieving that that we don't see, right? That doesn't come out in the bio, but that comes out. It's coming out now, Andre, in your story. And I appreciate you sharing all this with us because I think everybody can can relate to that 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 messy middle, that that hard part, right? That that uh -oh. challenge. Obviously, not. I don't think at, at your level, right? Most of us haven't experienced anything like that. But but um, but it's amazing I, to see that that you did get through that. If I can, yeah. If, and if I can add, um, I think it's really important for people, one, not to miss kind of what you go through to get, you know, to sort of quote unquote, the level of success that I've achieved. But I, I think, um, uh, it's just as important to realize that it's, it's, that's always the case. I mean, now it might look like, you know, I'm this rad dude going out there and taking on these monster challenges and, you know, everything's groovy, but there's still so much, you know, in, in those same things of setbacks and failures and struggle. Like I, have accepted that it will always be a struggle for me. Um, you know, it's, it's great when, when the struggles are, you know, really working towards what you want and, and they're completely different than the struggle I faced back then, but being okay with, um, the adversity, like it's not just going to click and all of a sudden it's smooth sailing and you're this huge success. Uh, you better be committed to, you know, to taking on whatever comes on. And, and there are a lot of difficult times. I mean, I, I still like, this is always my, my go-to and, and it may seem so lame, but like, I still struggle to get out of bed for, you know, workouts and I, for me to work and fit it all in, like there's some early mornings and I, I blow them all the time. And I, you know, come up with ways that, that have improved uh, my success rate, you know, but those things don't just become automatic. Uh, and so anyways, it's, it's not easy. <laughs> Yeah, that's the that's the stuff that I love to get and I love to hear Andre be like and, and again addressing the listener like he said I've accepted that it will always be a struggle. Have you accepted that it's always going to be a struggle, right? I mean your struggles 
different than Andres. It's totally unique to you and your scenario, your situation, whether whether it's your job or your relationship or some illness or 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 something you have going on in your life. Like, have you accepted it's always going to be a struggle and it's 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 just going to be hard, right? I mean, that's anything achieving anything meaningful is going to be hard. And Andre, I appreciate that you said you struggle to work out. And, and we're talking to a guy right now who's done just this superhuman feats. And it's like, ah, oh, man, this guy must just love working out. It's so easy. He just pops right out of bed and goes and works out. And he's just so happy doing it all the time. And he's smiling and it's all, and it's all great. But it's not, right? It's, it's hard. It's a struggle for you, right? Yeah. Yeah, it is. I mean, I, I love riding my bike, but you know, when, when you're sort of in the comfort of your home and you're facing, you know, an, an eight hour ride or two hour ride or whatever it is, um, it's, it's often easier to just not go. (laughs) And, you know, I, I, I think it's, it is important to sort of call it a struggle. You know, you could also call it a, a challenge. Um, I think about being out there on a hill and, and I'm in a workout, then the challenge is great. You're like, I'm going to get to the top of the hill. It's not even that far away. It's going to feel good. And, but, you know, then sometimes it, it, you know, hits me that it's like all these things are challenges. And if I could just have that attitude towards them, of that proud charging up the hill, you know, kind of feeling and take that into the little things like the challenge of figuring out how you're going to make sure you get out um, to the gym or to, to the office on time or whatever it is, you know, because when you have that, that uh, bring it on, you know, attitude, then you're willing to come up with solutions, you know, try I just, you know, keep throwing different ways uh, until I find the way that works. So anyways, yeah, that attitude helps a lot. Andre, I think we would all be amazed if your story ended with you recovered to the point where you learned how to walk again and now you're living a productive life, you have a job and and you know, and that's amazing, right? That alone is amazing. And then it's like, okay, well, and and this this guy even maybe he does like some local triathlons like wow holy cow like amazing right but you're doing things that nobody's ever attempted before ever why i mean why do you why do you go that far i think uh you know if i go back to the accident um you know there's a lot of things sort of not thrown at me but suggested that i do a lot of them were physical you know sports that i should try and do Uh, I was, you know, in my heart, all I wanted was to get back to Prague, you know, I was having such a great time learning so much and I, I wanted to resume that. And it seemed, you know, maybe that wasn't the easiest thing to, to shoot for. Um, a lot of times it seems, you know, maybe, I don't know about impossible, but you know, ridiculous if anything. And I just kind of made up my mind that that's, that was going to be success for me. You know, I think picking up where I left off after this huge thing, like that worked in my mind. Uh, and, and kind of since then, you know, I've, I've just tried to do a better job of, of going where I'm, where I'm pulled and, you know, for, for whatever reason, once, once I kind of got into sports again, I, I was always pulled by, by, you know, something else. So I went, I went and did this charity triathlon the Challenge Athletes Foundation puts on in San Diego. And that's where I kind of met the sport. A couple amputees I had met after returning from Prague because I, I did eventually go back and resume my studies. So I was there for another um, three and a half years uh, after being home for about a year and a half in sort of recovery. And when I came back, I didn't exactly have plans, but 
you know, I was introduced to, to triathlon through these guys I had met and I, I wanted to get stronger and better fitness because, you know, walking with legs and getting around was, was difficult and took a lot of energy. And I knew as I aged, it would only get more difficult. Um, but in any case, after that triathlon, I looked up online, you know, what, what next could I do? And I saw Kona, you know, the Ironman. Well, champ- <laughs> that was the what that was the what's next that from, was the what's from next. Uh, so, i mean it was october. <laughs> that's the world championship ironman it was the the charity triathlon was in october and by the next october i had finished kona and you know wow and 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 that could have been you know enough or you know let's, yeah. let's do more more you know triathlons and i and i did but i was always sort of pulled towards you know getting out there and adventuring and you know, one of the things for me is like driving by a forest and, you know, and, and just wanting that urge to put on a backpack and just kind of disappear for a week. Yeah, and I have that too. <laughs> it's not impossible, I would say at this point, but it's very, you know, less feasible. And, and, and so I, I, I just was drawn towards whatever was the next step towards that adventure. And, you know, I've just, I've just, uh, continued to, to, to follow what, what I'm pulled towards. I think we are no matter what, like if you're, if you seem to have no ambition, you just sit around your house. Like there's, I'm pretty sure that everybody has that nagging thing that they just want to do, no matter how crazy or simple it might be that they're just not getting around to doing. And, you know, what I found is that when you go and do those things, the satisfaction, the growth, you know, the leveling up, I I was never aiming to go do race across America. I was aiming to get around the 2.8 mile lake by my house. And, and that sort of mentality of just, you know, following what, what I wanted to do has led me here. And it's, and it's awesome. So I want to break that down for the listener. It's, it's, we all have that nagging thing inside of us that we want to achieve, right? It's, maybe you call it a hope, maybe you call it a dream, maybe, maybe you've gone as concrete and you call it a goal. And a lot of people won't make it a goal because it's a little, it's scary, it's intimidating, we risk failure, we risk embarrassment. But you don't have to set out to achieve the whole thing, right? Or you don't have to set out to achieve the whole thing right away or right now or in the next year or 18 months or five years or 10 years for that matter. But you take one step, you 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 do the next thing, right? And it's Andre, it sounds like that's what you've done is you've taken the next step. You've moved forward, you did one triathlon and then the next one and the next one, you, you just kind of continued and, and now you're at this point where you're world-class. Yeah, I, uh, you know, when I, when I set out to do Race Across America, I would have lost a lot of heart if I knew it was going to take me three years and, and three att- uh, qualification attempts to get there. You know, I kind of thought of the idea and I was going to go do it that spring. And, and I think a lot of times that's a big part of the challenge is impatience and, you know, wanting it fast and five, a five year plan seems way too long, especially when there's kind of baby steps to get you there. Um, and you don't get the returns, you know, whatever they are, if it's the weight loss or the money or, you know, the, the leveling up it, that progress happens and it's amazing what you can accomplish. But it's like looking back once I finished Ram, those, that three year wait was only a good thing. You know, it wasn't painful and it was well worth, you know, if I could have spoken to the Andre at the start that might've not even tried because it was going to take so long. Um, I, I, I don't know how I would have hammered that home, but if I just could have, you know, that would have, that's all you need. So impatience is, is the thing that, you know, that's, that 
I think hurts me the most. And I think just by doing and, and not worrying so much about um, how quick it's going to come or just believing that it will and that and that the journey, no matter what it is to get there, is going to be great. You know, it's going to be life. And, you know, that's kind of my attitude these days is it's all experience and life is experience. So try to try to make the most of, of every day. And it's going to be a good life. You've achieved amazing things since the accident. We all want to achieve amazing things. We all have these goals or hopes or dreams or wishes. Do we have to have a tragedy happen to us before it lights a fire underneath us? No, I mean, I, I, I don't think you, you do. It is really, really difficult to learn lessons without um, experiencing, you know, the things firsthand. So for me to say, you know, I, 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 the first time I went to Home Depot, some guy gave me a car with hand controls. And so I was working on a project and I went to Home Depot and I, it was like the first time out on my own and I'm in a wheelchair, you know, basically a guy like, you know, almost cut off at the waist and I'm rolling in and like I paused at the two big doors as they, you know, slide open. And I just kind of thought like, how must I look? And, you know, I just kind of that, that, I don't know, not, not really ashamed, but just total concern with what other people are going to think or say, or, you know, feel when they see me. And then I just, you know, was like, well, shit, if I'm going to go out and do stuff, like I just have to go do it. And this, this little thing is going to hold me back, but really, um, I want to live. So I got to go in. All right. So this is kind of like a, a body issue and confidence. And it's really hard to just tell somebody that for them to be like, oh yeah, I'm going to go to the you know, beach in my swimsuit and not care about what other people think. There's, you know, that you're, he's right. There's not lasers in their eyes and it doesn't affect me. And I just got to live. And that's very liberating, but it's hard to just say it for someone to, to suddenly change their whole mentality towards it or the way they feel. However, you know, I do think that, um, just by challenging ourselves and, and even if it's something as simple as, as that going to the beach in your, in your, you know, swimsuit, that's, you can, you can build up to that. And just by the little feelings of progress and liberation and things you get, um, you can get there. Uh, and you know, the thing that I always say is it's like by digging in the dirt that I, that I discover the most. And I, you know, I learned so much and grew so much through the tragedy that I wanted more challenges and I've gone and and found those. And I've learned a lot from, you know, the, the race in Brazil and the jungle, and, and they've all kind of combined in a way to get me where I am. And it's not all just because of the accident. I mean, you are absolutely not going to get smacked by a train and it all makes sense. That's not what happened. Um, it was a long, slow process of me just, you know, going inward, working on it, thinking through it, having breakthroughs, you know, small epiphanies. But it's not like it just clicked because of, you know, one big accident. You just have to be dedicated to, to uh, you know, not, not to figuring it out, looking within you, coming up with answers. I do a lot of writing, do a lot of thinking, and, uh, I'm always entertained by it. You know, I, I think enjoying that process of learning and growing is, is the most important part. Yeah. And so for the listener again, sorry, Andre, I keep kind of switching back from you. I'm talking to the listener sure, again now. Like, because you need to, <laughs> you need to unscramble what I've just, what I've just done each time. Time, so I appreciate it. I, there, I yeah, I just want to take it further. There's no, it's like it, you're you're laying it out perfectly for us. And it's like so. What like for the listener? Like, what is that first challenge for you? What is the for you? What is the 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 equivalent of rolling up to the door of Home Depot and looking at those big doors 
and going, oh man, do I want to do this? Right? I mean, looking back, Andre is like, okay, that was that was just he did it. He's much further beyond that now, but right, that's where it starts, though. That's where it started, and now and he's he's now doing you know things that humans probably shouldn't even be able to do, right? And he's doing these superhuman things. But that's where, so so for you, the listener, if you're on the treadmill or on your commute or whatever it is, hit pause right now just for about 10 seconds and think like, and I want you to say out loud to yourself, what is the first thing? Like, what's the one challenge? What's the thing that I fear, that I'm afraid of, that I'm a, I don't want to be embarrassed, I don't, I don't want to fail, I'm, a, I'm afraid to try, I'm afraid to have that conversation, whatever it is, hit the pause button, think about what it is and say out loud that I'm going to do it. Okay, now you just did that, I hope, and now you're back. And so you've said out loud you're going to do it, and, and you're committed to that. So that's what we need. We need that level of clarity sometimes to go, okay, this is, this is the next step for me. Or this is the first step for me. So Andre, are we capable of more? Like, Do you look around at people, and maybe even your past self, do you, do you feel that we are capable of more? I think we all want to know that we are, and, and I, I'm maybe handing you a softball of a question, but I think it's something that's worth addressing. Like, are we capable of more and how do we pull that out of ourselves? Yeah. I mean, the, the whole drive back across the country from race across America and, you know, like riding your bike across the country in a race, like, you know, there's some, there's some impressive qualities to that, but that race is yeah. insane. You know I mean? You go like, I went off the start, I rode my bike 24 hours straight you know, it took a 30 minute nap and then we rode for another 15 hours to about 4 a.m. sort of the next, you know, day and a half. That's nuts. And that, how far do you get? Let's say, okay, so 24 hours plus another 15 hours. Do you remember how far across the country uh, do you get at that point? Well, we went left from Oceanside. We were already well into Arizona by the time I took my first 30 minute nap. I think in 24 hours, you know, I'm covering like 300 miles, something like that, especially wow. at the start where you're <laughs> a bit fresh. And, you know, then the next 15 hours, trying to think where I went down the first night, but, you know, we were probably something like 450, you know, just a little over that miles into the race. Okay. Sorry to interrupt you there. No, no, it's fine. Uh, And and then I took a 90 minute sleep and that's what, you know, I did every 24 hours, um, you know, for at least the next five days or so. Uh, and then we, we started supplementing with some 30 minute naps, but, you know, basically, you know, 90 minutes a night of sleep. And the van would pull off the road at 4 a.m. They strip me down, throw me in back, start a timer for 90 minutes. At the end of that timer, clip on, <laughs> and I'm down the road. Uh, wow. I was sitting around, nibbling on a snack and, and chit-chatting. Um, it was pretty, you know, it's pretty hardcore. And just to go through that for you know, 12 days, uh, the whole ride home, I was just blown away by, you know, human potential. And, and not because... I was so impressed that I could do that race, but like anybody could do that, you know, that anybody can do that race at all. And I do think most people are capable, um, of that race. Uh, I also think that race is just scratching the surface of what, you know, we're really, um, capable of. And I got it, you know, I, I, like, I still wish for myself that I would just kind of get it even, even more and really finds, you know, my own potential. Um, I'm okay with the fact that, you know, never going to get there. It is already really amazing what we can do. And I just want to see more and more of that. But I also acknowledge that it, that it isn't easy, you know, as, as simple as some of the answers are, 
it's really difficult to step out of your comfort zone. Um, you know, whether it's having a conversation that you just don't want to have with somebody or if it's, I don't know, you know, talking like asking for a raise at work or, you know, again, going to the beach in your, in your, you know, bikini when you're, you know, you, you, you want to, if nobody else is there, but, um, like those things and stepping out of your comfort zone are, they feel impossible, right? Like it's, it's that feeling that to just like step out there, it's, it's almost like you're on the, you know, the, the, you know, 40 foot ledge to jump into the water and, and it's just like, just go, just go. And you can't, you know, those kind of challenges present themselves, um, all sorts of other challenges with, with life and family and health. Uh, so I know that, that the challenges are big, but it all comes down to this little something in our, in our mind, um, that, that shifted the right way or seen in the right light, light just makes sense. And, you know, the, the mindset you take into those things, um, you know, for me, for example, when I was in, I was 10 months after my accident, I've got a night, um, in another town with friends. I was in a, in my own room and just crying to myself again. You know, I had just started walking with prosthetics at two forearm crutches and I could kind of get around. Uh, and, and still I was just wishing that, that things were different over and over again. And for what, you know, whatever reason, I think it was because I, I wanted to have a good life still so bad that I was like, I'm willing to do, you know, I'm willing to do whatever it takes. And I just kind of came up with the the solution and that, you know, whatever it takes is to just move forward with this, stop living in this place of sorrow over things you can't control anymore and take full care of those, you know, things that you can control and just try your best, you know, try your best on prosthetics, try to go have a, a happy life. And if you can just accept this simple thing, that's going to give you the best shot of actually being happy. I can't guarantee it's going to work, but I know it is the best chance to just let go and move forward. And I think probably for a lot of things, that's, that's the simple, the simple answer, you know, is, is to, to try your best and, and let go of the things that are, that are clouding it all up that you can't do anything about anyways. And that's, that served me very well. Yeah. And for the listener again, you know, take that story that Andre just told us and, 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 put it in your own words. How does that, how does that work in your own life? Right? Like taking that next step and, and just committing to something and, and something that's hard and, and, and doing your best, whatever that is for you. So Andre, is this why you're attempting now the 5.8 global adventure? Can you tell us what that is and, and why you're doing it? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so the 5.8 global adventure is, um, well, so Charlie Ingle, who uh, you know, is uh, an amazing yeah. ultra runner, and um, he's he's best well known for I think having successfully run across the entire Sahara Desert. I think that was 2006 uh, or thereabouts, and you know, 4,500 miles like through the sands from Atlantic Ocean to the Red Sea. Two other runners, and it, we met um, back in 2013 um, on a dirt road in Brazil. Uh, it's a very romantic place to come across another, you know, uh, kindred spirit adventure. And, um, yeah, we, re we remained friends and he shared one of his, um, concepts, which was to, yeah, trek from the lowest point on the planet to the highest. Um, so that's the Dead Sea to Mount Everest and kind of through our planning that evolved into the adventure to go from the lowest point to the highest on every continent. 
you know, part of that was because I just didn't have the mountaineering experience. You know, Charlie was probably already up to the task. Um, but the, the idea was, well, this is a big, never been done before, um, adventure that we'd love to take on. And, you know, I can kind of build my, my experience and all the engineering that we would need to do along the way. Cause you know, some of the mountains like Kilimanjaro are not, you know, too difficult. It's not technical. It's a big, big mountain, high elevation, but otherwise it's a kind of a hike. Uh, and so, yeah, it's just brought, it brings together so many of the things that I, that I want. Um, I've also, you know, really had this goal of helping change perceptions in other parts of the world, um, for what life can look like for somebody that has a disability. You know, a lot of places there's, there's really no hope. Um, there's no societal support in some places they're, they're seen as cursed and in places like Kenya, kids born with special needs aren't even registered as, you know, national citizens and not seem worth it. And their moms are seen as cursed. And it's, it's really, it's really horrible, especially when I consider, you know, a lot of those are just people just like me. And I'm so lucky to have had, you know, a family and a community and, you know, really a, an entire country that, that sees me in a light that is supportive. And, uh, you know, that I've gotten so much help along the way that I just would not have the quality of life that I have, um, in many other parts of the world. So, you know, that, and then being the first, you know, to do something that big, um, and physical, you know, as somebody that's in a wheelchair is, has kind of got its meat claws into me and, and I just can't let go. So yeah, there's, uh, there's, <laughs> there's actually, this will be the, this will be the first, um, first time I, I talk about it. So it might, it might, I don't know, it might even be too early, but it, I might stumble through this a bit. Charlie and I were working towards going to Africa in September. That is, is not going to happen together. We had some, some challenges, you know, bringing the, the fundraising together. Charlie's going to, uh, still try to head to Africa in September and go from Lake Asal and Djibouti to Kilimanjaro. And I wish him the absolute best. Um, I've had a chance to kind of reconsider how I'm going about it. And, you know, it's, it's been, it's been positive because I, I, I have a little bit of a different idea of how I want, um, to do it. And so I'm just kind of formulating that and we'll see if I, (laughs) if I can make it happen, but there's so much going on in life and so many opportunities and, um, you know, infinite cool things to try to go make happen, uh, that I'm not quite sure what it looks like yet, but I just wanted to be, uh, you know, straightforward, um, about what this looks like. So if you want to follow 5.8 adventure, you know, look up Charlie Ingle or go to, um, 5.8 project, the five and the eight are numbers. Um, everything else is written.com and, um, you know, it's awesome. Charlie's, an incredible human and he's, uh, he's, he's smart and he's funny and he stands for, you know, all the things that, that, that I do too. So he, um, he has my, uh, my deepest, um, I don't know, my deepest interest in following the journey. That's what he has. Awesome. And by the way, for the listeners, we do have Charlie Engel coming on the show too, at some point. So look forward to talking to him about that as well. And so Andre, can you tell us about what habits you feel like you have or have had over the years that set you apart habits that have helped you achieve success? Yeah. Uh, let's see. I, I probably have more bad habits than good ones. Um, and I think, (laughs) gosh, whatever it is that's helped me 
help me take advantage of the good habits um, and, and and still kind of not give up on the bad ones. I mean, I think there's sort of the line of thought to just, you know, ignore your weaknesses and run with your strengths because that's, you know, those strengths are what's going to take you to success. It's gotten me in, in trouble when I've totally ignored the the weaknesses. Um, you know, my, my organization, you know, I have really big swings in, in sort of motivation or at least what it looks like, um, in practice and, in uh, in making progress in certain things. I have this, I have this switch that, that can, can get flipped to on. And it's like, doesn't matter how much work, doesn't matter how hard, doesn't matter how long I'm on this dirt road, I'm going to finish this thing. And, you know, finding all of the ways to tap into that, uh, into that switch is, is kind of key for me. And when it's, when it's off, I can look pretty lethargic. I mean, I think, I think that's really important, you know, that I can be just as lazy as anybody out there. It's that I, I, I try to be as quick as I can to recognize it and start working on, on getting, you know, back moving, um, especially towards, towards a big goal, because it's, it's really hard to pull, pull off, you know, big things. And every day that you're, you're sitting around is, is, um, is at least often that much less, less likely that it's gonna, it's gonna work out. Um, but I do, you know, I have a habit of waking up and writing. Um, I try to make that the very first thing that I do. Um, I don't know who I was listening out to out there that, that talks through the creativity you have in the morning and how like zero screen time, don't start with your email, don't start with, uh, social, um, just sit down and write. And so I'll make a quick espresso, sit down. Sometimes I have planned from the night before what I want to write and I just write a sentence, you know, write about, um, write about that one time or write a, write a, a fictional story about, um, a lady in the sea and some weird stuff like that. Uh, or something will just pop in my mind to write about or nothing will. And I just sit there until something does that I feel like it's worth writing about. And that always happens pretty quickly. Um, I think that habit is one of the most important things, um, that I could do, you know, because I think it's a lot like conversations we're having right now. Um, I often don't know what I think, you know, until I start talking about it with somebody and it's kind of a willingness to be sound stupid or be wrong. I think conversations are, uh, are just so important, especially for like society today to be able to have and, you know, not, not, um, vilify the other person, but, but, you know, try to make progress. I think both people have to be willing to make progress and and see things a different way. But when I'm writing, it's, um, it's me having a, you know, a conversation with myself. So it's kind of the same, the same end, the same results as far as learning and what I think, but I'm just doing it by myself. I love that you said, I often don't know what I think until I start talking about it. And I think there's so much value in that, right? whether you're having that conversation out loud with somebody, a close confidant or, or, or journaling or writing. I think it's such an important habit. So thanks for sharing that, Andre. Yeah. It, actually, if I can just, just add, I, oh shoot, I might've just forgot. Please. Um, oh yeah. I think it's, I think we often don't know. And so a lot of times we just leap. So what we've heard, I think that's maybe where that comes from. And then you kind of quickly marry to that because now you've said it as what you think. Um, I think, you know, kind of political or, or other kind of conversations around that probably are the strongest, um, moment of it. And for, 
for me to learn what I think by talking, I just, I really have to be, um, okay with sort of vulnerability and just being honest, you know, about what I, what I totally don't know. And, yeah. And, uh, you know, so it's a good point to make that caveat, like everything I've said so far, it's like, I don't know if that's right. I don't know if it's, if it's the best <laughs> for you. Um, you know, I don't think any of us, you know, really know what, the right answer is. I mean, in a lot of cases, there just aren't right and wrong answers. And, you know, thinking it through is the best shot we have at, at, at making the one um, that has the, at least the best shot of working. Uh, so that's, that's all I'm trying yeah. to do here. Yeah, I agree. That's a great point. Andre, can you tell us about a time where you failed? You know, tell us about a time where, where you failed. And as a result, you felt that hopelessness, hopelessness, that, that, that self doubt that comes from failure in, you know, I think you probably shared a little bit about how to overcome it, but can you tell us about a time where, where yeah. you failed and how you overcame it? So I'm going to jump, jump to one that I've put some thought into. I mean, I've had so many, um, you know, so many times where, where, you know, I failed and then it's just so disheartening. Um, but I think one of the ones that's, that's really made a, uh, an impact is the, the first time I went out, I was going to try to qualify for, for Ram. Uh, and again, this is, you know, racing failure. There's, there's other, there's other life out there, but and Ram is right across America, yeah, right? ra- race across America, uh, race, yeah. which is funny. Cause I was just having a conversation with someone the other day who, who was talking about his, his buddy who had ridden across the country. And so I was like, Oh yeah, yeah, I did this race across the country. And, um, how, you know, how long did your friend take? And of course I know I, I did it faster. Right. So I'm kind of, <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm poking for sure. a loaded question. And, and, yeah. So he, he actually calls him up. And, and we're chatting with a few, with kind of a group at this point. And, and so he's like, Oh yeah. yeah okay. And then he tells me, Oh, it took him 93 days. <laughs> oh, wow. Like, oh, that's sweet. You know, tell me it took, I did 12 and <laughs> probably, and probably not, 93 is probably a little more normal, but yeah. that would certainly be a bit of a difference between a ride across the country and a, and a race across the country. But <laughs> sure. in any case to show how naive I was, I was trying to qualify for a race across America, which is in June in May. So the month before I have done some Ultraman. I haven't done any like 24 hour plus cycling races. I've done some, you know, some like that race in Brazil and some off-road stuff. But in any case, I'm out there riding. We had made a big push kind of in the lead up to get sponsors. And, you know, I, I really was dedicated to being this badass cyclist and, and go out and um, take this all on. And Race Across America is extremely expensive. I mean, maybe 20 grand is the cheapest I've ever really heard of anybody taking it on closer to, you know, 40, 50 would be typical for a solo. Um, there's a big crew out there and a lot of, a lot to, uh, <laughs> to pay for. So in any case, you, you got to make something happen to make that happen unless you just have the funds. So I'm out there during this race. None of that has gone well. You know, I, I, I've paid sort of my own way to this race and, um, to qualify and it's a 400 mile race. Start in Oceanside, you cross the coast range, go around the Salton Sea, practically out to Arizona, and then back. You have 32 hours to finish. So I'm about 100 miles in, and I'm already kind of over it. Um, I just started thinking about, like, where my priorities are at, what I should be doing in life. Um, you know, it's not going going well as far as making this any kind of a oversized hobby that can pay for itself, let alone you know, getting out there and being a speaker and all of these things that I, that I'm kind of, um, rationalizing why to my wife, why, like why I should do this. And even though like for me, I just want to go out and do it. And, uh, 
And, you know, I really thought like, okay, maybe Ram's not even something I want to do. Like I'm out here on the bike and it, and it hurts and it's, you know, it's, it's like in this moment, it's not fun. So, uh, it took me a while, but it was until 28 hours in that I quit. And I was, I was something like 50, 55 miles from the finish and I had crossed the coast range and it, in my mind, the profile was all downhill from there. And I came down this little descent, everything hurt and the van is headed up the next hill. And I mean, in my mind, it's just like, there was no more climbing, (laughs) you know, it was all easy from here. And I pulled off the side of the road. I kind of fell asleep a bit and the van came, um, to me. We had a media van also. And I was like, I'm done. I'm over it. You know, I don't care. Uh, I, I don't need to prove myself to anybody. Like these were all the things that I was saying to them. And I, you know, I had really quit around that hundred mile mark. Um, and and it kind of just took that long to sort of manifest. Uh, I I've since heard about a lot of those, you know, where even in race across America, someone quits on the first day, but it takes them five days to, to actually do it. (laughs) And what I, what I realized is that I was just like, there's a lot going on, but I, you make these emotional decisions and then kind of rationalize them. So the whole, you know, I don't need to prove this to anybody. I don't care about this. It doesn't matter. was all in the moment, you know, rationalizations for just get me out of here. And already the next day, it really started to affect me. And I was really disappointed. Um, I hadn't not finished anything. You know, I'd missed some cutoffs, but I'd always go to the finish line. And, you know, I, I, I was kind of sort of made up uh, a decision, you know, to myself that like any of these things that I think I've come up with while I'm in the process of working towards something, I'm going to take them with me to the finish line. You, you you can learn some really valuable insights, but once I've committed to really finishing something, I try to finish it um, and then digest what I've learned and make important, you know, changes in life and direction um, at those points. You know, I think there'll, there'll clearly be times where that's um, maybe not the best way to go in, in some like huge business venture where like a pivot is necessary or, or whatever it is. Um, but as much as I can, I, I try to tune in with, with the, the, the thought process and whether I am just rationalizing an emotional decision or it's really a decision to make. You know, I think things like sleeping on it and, and mulling it over and writing about it would really help in the times where you don't know. But you can often realize when you're just messing with yourself and your brain is really, really good at it. Um, so tapping into that and learning from it, uh, made that failure, you know, one of the best lessons ever. Uh, and I do think, you know, like a big, you know, your whole podcast, like it's, it's totally on point, you know, with, with success from, from failures. But, but I think an, another way of looking at failure is you just aren't going to set out to do anything without failure being part of it. You know, and, and you, you can always kind of spin a failure into not being a failure. So I don't want to like label things as, as failure, but like you're going to have disappointments. You're going to have setbacks. You're going to have things that you mess up anytime you go out and doing something. So you just kind of got to accept that up front. You know, there's some things that I'm going to go try to do that aren't going to go that well. And that's just part of being human. Wow. Yeah. Excellent advice. I love that. You know, you just wrote that down. You're not going to set out to do anything that doesn't have failure as a part of it. And so I want the listener to really internalize that. And Andre, if you could talk directly to the listener and and they're sitting there saying, okay, 
I'm in. I get it. You know, what can I do in the next 24 to 48 hours to start moving towards my goals? If you could talk to them and they're facing adversity of their own or failure or setbacks, um, what action can they take in the next 24 to 48 hours? Well, I think, you know, first of all, something you can you can try thinking about right now. I mean, I've been in the place I mean, if I'm running from everything, it's from not finishing stuff or not starting stuff. You're talking myself out of good ideas. And like I've been there where I want to go do something and I just can't seem to get myself to go do it. Uh, and, you know, I think really realizing that it is possible and once you're going and moving towards it, like it's such a great feeling. And then accomplishing it is, I mean, it's the most satisfying part of taking on those things. Uh, and then, and then all the stories and the recounts and like the, the most challenging shitty parts of it are the best parts of it. You know, like in hindsight, looking back, like that's what all the good stories are, are about. And you can really, um, you can really enjoy them on the, on the back end. But, you know, getting that, that, that first step towards it and committing, um, and being consistent and all of those things are really difficult. And I think when I've done my best, you know, work, it's really to just come up with, like, I try not to overcrowd myself, you know, it could be just like the one thing to accomplish tomorrow. Um, but just writing it down and, and kind of being accountable. It's one thing to say, Oh, I want to start going to the gym. And then, you know, it's two weeks later, and you still haven't gone. Um, but if, if you really schedule it out, you know, 730am, I'm in the gym, at least you know what you're what you're not doing. And then, you know, the second time you can, you can try a little technique, but but take those on as challenges, you know, then next, tomorrow, instead of what didn't work today, you know, I'm going to get the clothes right by the door, set it all up, um, do whatever it takes. Um, but just writing down those little goals because the big challenges, or I would say the challenging thing about big challenges, this is going to sound like something I came up with previously, but I didn't, uh, <laughs> the, the, you know, the small challenges, you know, every day, um, that's the hard part. Yeah. Like, yeah, I mean, well you know, said. I said, like an Ironman is not that hard. It's like all the training that goes into the Ironman. Uh, that's, yeah. that's really the difficult part. That's what sets you yeah. to do one. It's waking up early. It's getting on the bike in the morning. It's doing the swims. It's all the things that, that, that go into it. Yeah, yeah, I believe it's that. It's so bad in uh, in front of those things and so good on the other side of them. And I think that's, that's yeah. um, you know, that's typical of, of a lot of challenges. Man, Andre, this has been amazing. Can you take a minute to promote yourself? Where can we find you, follow you, learn more about you? Sure. Um, gosh, I'd say the most sort of posting that I do is um, on Instagram. You can basically find me everywhere with my name. It's A-N-D-R-E-K-A-J-L-I-C-H. Um, that's my handle everywhere. It's my website. Um, uh, just Google Andre Hand Cycles should work too. All right. Excellent. So Andre, we will find you. And for the listener, I'll have links to everything we just talked about as well as uh, a lot of the quotes and stories and a synopsis here written right up in the action plan. So just go to jimharshawjr.com slash action. You'll have links to all of his social media, his website, as well as a lot of the quotes and, and tips and tactics that came out of this. So Andre, thank you so much for making time to come on the show. Wow. Thank you, Jim. Yeah. I love the show. And um, yeah, listeners just, I mean, put what Jim is sharing in practice. That's like, that's really what you need to do. Yep. Amen. You said it. That's what it comes down to. What's that one first step. So excellent. 
for the listener, as always, until next time, take the time to get clear on your goals and embrace failure as a stepping stone on your path to success. <laughs>